Nick Vujicic. I don't know if you've ever met him, heard about him. That's him. He was born without arms and legs. There's a thousand things that Nick can't do that we often take for granted. He can't, he can't give a hug, he can't give a handshake, can't high-five, can't clap his hands, can't tap his toe to the music, can't uh, feel the sand under his feet while walking on the beach. But instead of getting angry at God as a teenager about the things that he couldn't do, he made a, a defining decision to be grateful for the things that he's able to do. Yeah, when Nick, uh, when you read his story, um, it was tough growing up because he was made fun of. And um, there were times he wanted to end his life because of it. Life was tough. But at the age of 15, this is what he says, I gave my life to Jesus. It was a turnaround of years of starting to be thankful for what I had instead of being angry for what I didn't have. Maybe some of us this morning need to take some advice from Nick, huh? Start being grateful for what we do have and not for what we don't have. Hmm? That's good counsel, isn't it? Yeah. Lord, help us be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And because of Nick's faith in Christ, trusting the Lord, he's done some amazing things. And Nick is... uh, his life is a standing rebuke for anybody who falls into self-pity, you know, where you start feeling sorry for yourself. And if Nick isn't making excuses, we probably shouldn't either, right? That's right. That's right. So he refuses to be defined by his disabilities. Instead, Nick has leveraged his limitations and turned them into his life story. At last count, 250,000 people have put their faith in Jesus Christ after hearing Nick's testimony. Not sure Nick would have the same platform if he had arms and legs. Don't know about that. But it's the suffering that Nick has endured that people identify with most. And so God has turned Nick's pain into eternal gains for thousands of people. And Nick has come to the terms with this fact. This is what he says. I'd rather have no arms and no legs here on earth and spend eternity with those who have come to faith through my testimony. Isn't that cool? Yeah. This is not my home, friends. This planet is not our home. And Daniel recognized that as well when he was taken as a 15-year-old out of Jerusalem and hijacked 900 miles to go to Babylon to some pagan country that hated God, didn't even believe in God, was heavily involved in the occult and astrology and mysticism. And Babylon wanted to control the world like a one-world government, just where we're at today. There's a segment of people in this world that want a one-world government because that lines up with the Antichrist ruling and reigning one day. And we're in that history right now. And so, Daniel, instead of becoming bitter and angry at God, thinking, man, I I had my whole life planned out in front of me, 
as a teenager, you know? He was, he was raised in royalty. He experienced really the best things in life. And then he's taken to a country where he doesn't even know the language. And so, instead of pointing his finger at God, he realized that God was in control. Just like the hand that you saw that person fallen into, Daniel trusted God with the movement and the positions that were changing rapidly in his world. And so instead of like Nick, who Voyagech, who, who could have got bitter and angry at God for the rest of his life, instead began focusing on the things that he had and he could do, Daniel fell into that same way of thinking. God has me in Babylon on purpose and for a purpose, just like you, just like me. In March 2023, he's got a plan and purpose for your life. And to think, friends, that we are watching really Bible prophecy be unveiled right before our eyes. It's an incredible opportunity. And we can learn from Daniel. So when Daniel uh, (laughs) wrote a book about his exile, living in exile for 70 years, and the way Daniel lived his life, In that time, I think we could learn from him, don't you? And I think we can say, Lord, thank you for leaving this book of Daniel for each one of us to read and apply it. Because, man, there's a lot of wisdom in these chapters. And so, um, just a quick review. The intro flares in the air. Uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, had been warning Israel for 23 years to put their faith in God instead of drifting away from God and following the, uh, the religions around their country instead, because otherwise judgment would come. And the people ignored him. We see that um, the Lord has been giving me this message I've faithfully passed that on to you, but you have not listened. Because you have not listened to me, I will gather together all the armies of the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, whom I have appointed as my deputy. So you can see that God is in control. He's going to use a pagan king to bring judgment on Israel, his people. If God did that back in the Old Testament, do you think he's going to do that in 2023, in this time of history? When you see that Russia and China right now are becoming allied to each other, along with Iran, um, the question is, will God use them to bring judgment on America? I think that's a question we can pause and think about, not to terrify us, but to think, God, what plan do you have for my life? Just like you used Daniel, Whatever happens in the future, Lord, I want to trust you with my life. I want to live for you with everything that I have. That I will model you, and no matter what environment I'm in, you will be honored and glorified. Are you good with that? I know that's a little terrifying. I get it. I get it. We, we kind of put our head in the sand when we think about Maybe the judgment of God. But I tell you what, friends, this country has wandered so far from God. It has. 
and it's wandering on high speed right now. But I'll tell you this, God, I believe God hasn't given up on America yet. Because when I see cool things, you know, like Asbury University and other campuses, where God is calling young people to that point where they're confessing their sin and they're renewing their faith in Christ, God's doing something good right now. And we have to be aware of our own spiritual condition like we read in 1 Corinthians 11, that we should be examining ourselves. Hey, is there any hidden sin? Have I been compromised in this area of my life spiritually? Am I grieving God's spirit by the way I'm responding to this person? That's how we should be living our lives in these critical days. So... Without having personal convictions in the Lord, and we see that Daniel, even as a 15-year-old man, he had strong faith in God. And it seemed as though nothing could undermine the pinnings that he had in God. Whereas today, so many, I think, followers of Christ, we've kind of compromised our thinking, you know, if it feels good, we can do it. Because that's what everybody else around us is saying. Or everybody else is doing it, so it must be okay. And as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, it must be fine. See, we start, we start becoming mushy in our core values. Daniel didn't let that happen. And friends, we shouldn't either. We see in number two, God did it in Daniel 1 and, one and 2 in, in that uh, first chapter. That verse 2, the Lord gave... King Nebuchadnezzar victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. And once again, the nation of Judah had become compromised, and yet Daniel and his three friends and their families had been living for the Lord faithfully. And yet they themselves are transported out of Jerusalem, the holy city. To Babylon. Is that fair? (laughs) Did they have conversations about that when they were walking the trail to Babylon? Man, this is not fair. No, they they didn't seem to go down that road. They never whined and never complained. They realized, Daniel realized, that God was using King Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment on God's people who had rejected him over and over again. And so we have the freedom to choose. Daniel had that freedom. His three buddies had the freedom. We can choose to trust our lives with God, or we can become angry and bitter at this world and get pushed into a corner and and become a not happy person. So we have that freedom to choose, and may God help us. Step in the way Daniel did. Number three, surrounded by evil. Um, these three, these young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So, number one, they were brainwashed. Verse four, the message indoctrinate them in the Babylonian language and the lore of magic and fortune telling. So, this is a new system of thinking for Daniel and his friends. And um, there was an undermining of the training they had received in Jerusalem. 
that they would soon forget it because they're teenagers. And this attraction for the number one world power would be appealing to them. But instead, we see that there was something on the inside of Daniel that kept him from compromising. And what was it? We can go back to Second uh, Kings 22 when King Josiah, in the 18th year of his reign, the king sent Shaphan, son of Azazel, oh boy, Azal Iah, and grants of a Meshulam. Why couldn't they just say Bob? <laughs> or Jim, you know? What's wrong with these people? The court secretary to the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Do you see what's behind that? There's an explanation point. In other words, Hilkiah was fired up. I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Some of us need to find the Lord's book in our houses again, right? We've stuck it on a shelf. It's collecting dust. There is something about taking God's word and reading it and allowing the spirit of God to speak to us in a very personal way. Man, God did that to me this past week. Reading it. Him putting the light on and encouraging me. Man, it is so, so good. And we see that Shaphan read it to the king, chapter 23. There the king read to, to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord. Something they were fired up. And the king renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence, and he pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. And all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Look at this picture um, going back to, this is the photo that I wanted a couple weeks ago at Asbury University, where you have people packed on the inside of the chapel, and people are outside. What's going on? People are outside in cold weather, and they're kneeling. To me, it's kind of what's going on here with Josiah, with the nation of Israel. God was doing something. People, people were putting their, they were coming to the Lord. We're going to read God's law. We're going to obey God's law. It's going to become part of us. Not just part of us, but all of us. Have my days, have my life, have it all. That was their, their deal. And so for in America and in 2023, where you've got young people and adults coming from all over the world, I could read you stories, man. People coming from all over the world to come. There's something about the presence of God where you bow before him. I will obey you, Lord. I will not hold anything back from you. There's something to that. But friends, let me tell you something. You can laugh at that. But there's coming a, a day when every human being will bow their knee before the Lord and confess him as Lord. There's coming that day. So friend, I would, I would personally say I'm... I'm, I'm into bowing my knee before the Lord right near and now because I love him and he's worthy. 
So what you see at Asbury and other campuses around the country, this was going on in, in Israel with Josiah. And Josiah destroyed all the idols and the, and the pagan altars, and he reinstated Passover to the people again. And the people got fired up, realizing that God is who he said he was. Josiah did that when he was 18 years old. And the spiritual leaders began teaching the law to the people, and the people got the fire of God. God started burning on the inside. There was spiritual renewal throughout Israel because of this. And friends, Daniel grew up, he he grew up in that environment of a healthy church where the teaching of God's word was being presented accurately. And I I can just say, man, um, Daniel's parents did a good thing. They didn't say to Daniel, hey, if you don't feel like coming to church today, no problem. You could stay home. You can watch the cartoons, man. You're good. Look at the difference that investment on mom and dad by bringing them to God's house consistently, training them to be a standalone young man, so to speak. When that day came, when they were exiled out of Jerusalem, it paid off, didn't it? We can put so much time and energy into the temporary things for our kids, man. They grew up so fast and the temporary things that we thought were so important As an adult, they'll just disappear. That's why living for the Lord, living for the Lord, modeling Christ in front of your kids, bringing them to church. When you mess up as a parent, you apologize to them. When you mess up in front of your spouse, you apologize to your spouse in front of your kids, man. You humble yourself. Your children need to see that transparency. Right? That's the real deal, man. And evidently, Daniel's parents did that, and they did it well. Daniel's parents, what did they call him, Daniel? What does his name mean? God is my judge. That's pretty good, huh? God is my judge. They realized that one day, as parents, they would no longer oversee Daniel's life, that God would. No matter where Daniel ended up, they had no idea he'd end up in Babylon, but they knew that God would stand with him. God will take care of me. God is my judge. And so, friends, we have a, we have a responsibility, I'm telling you, and take it seriously. As parents, we love each other as Christ loves the church, and we love our children enough to model that relationship of Jesus Christ in front of them. We hit, uh, a couple weeks ago, we hit what did Daniel's parents... um, train him in. Um, one was worship when they took him to the temple, man. All you got to do is read the book of Psalms and you'll see how lively worship can be. Right? You think it's lively here? Oh, baby. 
Listen, I was thinking about this too. Matt, if we sing, we should sing, right? Full throttle. If we clap, we should clap with everything we have, right? You don't agree with me. Worship, we should, we should be fully engaged. Should be fully engaged. Man, Wednesday night, James McDonald hit it, talking about um, sin in our lives where we, we're not doing what we know is right to do. And he kind of hit worship. And he said, man, I saw some of you people during worship today, you were just mouthing the words. You were just standing there like mummies. See, what's that? You're, you're not doing what you know is right. That's sin. And that resonated with me, man. As a follower of Jesus, we should be fully engaged when it comes time of worship. Yo, yeah, man. That's right. I'll believe it. I do too. I believe it. It's like you said, you just said that. I believe it. I heard somebody out there say that. So worship. And um, all I know is Daniel wasn't influenced by social media. Do you think he stayed up nights in Babylon looking on his phone to see how many likes he got? Hmm? I don't think so. I want, to hit the, I want to hit the young people right now, man. You stay off those, that social media garbage. Because um, when you start looking at statistics with, with young people today, how it's, especially with young women, the girls, it's impacting them in a horrific way. It's a horrific. When you realize that Jesus loves you, He looks into your eyes and he died for you so he could spend eternity with you. You become his daughter, his son. You don't need affirmation to see how many likes you got out there. That's all temporary, superficial. You want, as long as you know that you are loved by God, you're good to go. (laughs) Right? And when you have a mom, you have a dad looking into your eyes, man, I love you. I love you. That's the security we need. Social media, it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's an, it really, it's, I think, a potential tool of the enemy to destroy our young people and adults as well. Back in... September 1939, the first air raid siren sounded over London. And uh, for those of uh, people that lived through the, uh, the German Blitzkrieg, man, they will remember the sound of those bombs falling. More than a million homes were destroyed, 40,000 civilians lost their lives, and Hitler thought the screen would demoralize the British into surrendering but he thought wrong because the blitzkrieg backfired, stealing the Brits 
resolve to fight, even it meant to die for. And during the darkest days of the war, Prime Minister Winston Churchill spoke on October 29th, 1941. His words proved more powerful than the German's blitzkrieg. This is what he said, and many of you have heard this before. Never give in, never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never given in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Never give in. And I believe that Daniel is shouting across the history fields of our lives saying, don't give in with your faith in Jesus Christ. Be strong. Be strong. And um, I appreciate the media team. Kyle, if you could bring up Exodus 23.2. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. That's really Daniel's challenge for all of us today. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. And I get it. It's like going against, it's going against the, the grid, you know? But I'll tell you what, to be a follower of Christ today, it takes courage. Because a dead fish goes down the current. It's those live salmon that push against the current, right? It takes backbone. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. That's our prayer for each one of us this morning. Father, we thank you for this encouragement that Daniel has given to us once again when we see everything Banks closing and countries align, aligning themselves and things that we always thought would be the same, they would stay the same. We see those things just literally crumbling before our eyes. And Lord, may this be a wake-up call that this world is temporary, man. This world will not last forever. Those things that we put our trust in, they are collapsing before us, Lord. Daniel realized that as a 15-year-old. That's why he could trust you, God, that you're in control. You're not in panic mode. You're not sweating right now. You're not having a council meeting with the Father and the Holy Spirit. No, you are in control. And today, Lord, we put our lives, we say, Lord, Take my life in your hands because that is the most secure place we can land today. Daniel learned that and he's telling us that today in 2023. I'd just like to ask you this morning, maybe ask God to help you develop into a Daniel in your world. Trusting the Lord no matter what your situation, no matter how much pressure you're under to compromise. 
Ask God to develop you into a Daniel. You can do that right now. And tell God you give him permission to do whatever it takes to help you become unafraid and unashamed for standing for him. That you're submitting to do whatever he wants you to do. Will you do that? Lord, I give you permission. I say yes to you this morning, Lord. Whatever it takes to help me become unafraid and unashamed, Lord. I submit to your authority. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. for the good work you're doing in us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.